out of Oklahoma City. You're listening to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where movies are more than just 90 minutes in a bucket of popcorn. The Good Trash Genre Cast is a member of the Good Trash Media family. For more information, go to goodtrashmedia.com. They're talking about you, boy, but you're still the Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Ownercast, where a bunch of people, or less, gather around a table and we discuss. Sometimes less. <laughs> hey, hey, cutie. Hey, buddy. It's it's a two man show this week, y'all, on the Good Trash Ownercast. As we discuss the films you'll never discuss in film study syllabus, this week's film is a patron pick from Nathaniel Masters. Thank you for your patronage, Nathaniel. And we are looking at the film. If you're wondering about that last name, by the way, um, our our uh, third co host, uh, Caleb Masters. This is his brother. Um, who was nice enough to give us some money and pick a film. Um, Caleb is going to be joining us live via satellite uh, from the uh, survival bunker he built outside of 1600 Pen- uh, Pennsylvania Avenue. Um, so he'll he'll be in uh, periodically uh, via pre-recorded message. Um, but uh, his brother was nice enough to pick the film The Way. The Way, which is about um, walking. Um, there's a lot of walking. We'll talk more about that here. Um, it's shortly. like the two towers, but with less battles. Less battles. Um, very, far fewer battles. Yeah, um, I would say with a hundred percent less battles. Well, there is um a moment of violence. That's true. So maybe I don't know. Okay, ninety five percent less battles. But that makes Martin Sheen an orc. If you thought the two towers had too many sword fights, this is a movie <laughs> this for you. Is totally your movie. Um, but <laughs> this is a, a film directed by Emilio Estevez, starring his father. Written directed uh, by Emilio Estevez, I should say, um, and starring his father, Martin Sheen. Uh, you mean President Bartlett? Yes, President Josiah Bartlett. Yeah. Yes. Uh, only ever call him President Bartlett. Respect. Yeah, you respect the office. You must respect the office. You don't have to. You, you. <laughs> you hey, we to. better introduce who we are, just so people know um, who are who who are who is who am speaking to them uh, right now through uh, the the internet and also their multimedia playing devices. Sir, who are you? My name is Dalton Stewart, and as I have often said on the show, I do not speak French. <laughs> accurate, accurate. I do not parlay vu. Statement. Uh, my name is Dustin Sells, and what you mean we can ride bikes? Um, and and, uh, <laughs> and again, once again, uh, just so he can chime in live via his bunker. Go ahead, sir. Hello, I'm Caleb Masters, and you haven't trained for this walk, Dustin. And in no disrespect, you were more than sixty years old. And we are glad that you are there at the protest, Mister Masters. Um, we're going to move on. Um, I hope you brought enough MREs. Uh, you're going to be there for a while. Uh, it's going to be a minute, about four years, thereabouts, thereabouts, approximately. So uh, we are going to do what we always do, but you may not know what we always do here at episode two hundred and one of the Good Trash Genre Cast. You, you are officially in your um, your uh, second year. Um, you, this is a uh, Good Trash two hundred one. Two oh, oh, that's right. It's yeah. like it, it, the, the analysis is going to get a little harder now. A little bit. It's Probably gonna get not. more personal. It's uh, it's gonna get a little sexier. Uh, which uh, the way I do my analysis, it's harder for it to get sexier and more personal. All I do is bring sexy analysis. I I, I believe uh, I was quoted. Somebody tweeted me recently. Uh, my thing about just uh, put your mouth on somebody. <laughs> something went from our uh, episode over the follow or uh, following. Somebody tweeted. I said something about uh, put your mouth on somebody. 
I said something to that effect. So that's funny. It's pretty sexy o- over here sometimes. It is a little bit. Um, so this is how it goes. Uh, what we do is we try to avoid spoilers, um, knowing that sometimes the film in question is not a film that you actually have watched, and you may want to get to that. And so what we begin with is our uh, quick synopsis from the Voice of the Cinema, and then our thumbs up, thumbs down reviews, uh, which we try to keep spoiler free as much as possible. Then we move into our gameplay, which may involve spoilers of the film in question. Or but, other films. Or possibly some of the films that we might happen to bring up and discuss there. So, But we try to keep those all very, very mild or sort of part of the cultural zeitgeist, you know, uh, Darth Vader's Luke's father type stuff. Yeah, it, it turns out that um, Bruce Willis was Obi-Wan Kenobi the whole time. The whole time. Um, that kind of thing. Um, from there, we get down to business. Did you know, I don't know if you knew this, Dustin. Um, go on. Tyler Durden is Rosebud. Tyler Durden is Rosebud. I did know that. And did you know that Severus Snape is a sled? I did. I did know that too, actually. <laughs> that's that's a, Not a lot of people know that. Uh, Alan Rickman, very talented actor, uh, R.I.P., uh, an amazing actor, literally a snow sled. Yeah. And, and strangely enough, Haley Joel Osment killed Charles Foster Kane. That's true. He also killed um, Charles Foster Wallace. I meant David Foster Wallace. That's not true. That's not true. That's really sad. I shouldn't have said that. God damn it. I feel really bad now. Well, you should. It's just you and me, so I'm having a... It's a punchy day. It's a punchy day. I I just got done with an interview, so I'm all warmed up. We're going to talk about a very, very uplifting film, so perhaps we'll make us all feel warm and fuzzy on the inside as we move forward. But let's begin, though, with uh, a synopsis not from the voice of the cinema. This week, we'll be having the voice of the Dalton Theater once again. Hello. Um, Let's hear the synopsis of the way. Of course. (coughs) A father heads overseas to recover the body of his estranged son who died while traveling the El Camino de Santiago and decides to take the pilgrimage himself. Yes, that is what happens. Um, if you like Martin Sheen walking, this is your... <laughs> God, if you have been waiting, if you thought Apocalypse Now had too many boats, not enough foot travel, holy shit, are you in for a treat? Yeah, there's a lot of Marty walking. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, let's get right down to it, Dalton. I want to know what you think of this movie. Thumbs up, thumbs down, review, go. Yeah. Two thumbs sideways. Um, it's a perfectly fine movie. It's a it's a very pleasant film. It has some substance, but not as much as I think it wishes that it had. I guess. Um, it's you know we we talk a lot about doing you know a lot of genre cinema, a lot of uh, lowbrow cinema on the show. We talk a lot about films being full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Uh, this film is full of quiet and um, patience, and it signifies something. It just doesn't signify much. Also walking. Oh, well, yes, a lot of a lot of trudging. Um, it's it's a fine film. You know, I, I didn't dislike it. Um, I, I was a little annoyed for the first fifteen twenty minutes. I was like, oh, this is kind of pedantic and a little pedestrian. Um, when um, <laughs> literally, yeah. Well, when Yust shows up, I think the film really comes together. I think when Martin Sheen's character um, Daniel Avery has more. I'm sorry, Daniel was his son, Tom. When Tom Avery, um, the character that um, President Josiah Bartlett plays, uh, when he has people to act off of, I think it is a much more interesting film. When he has people to process the things he's feeling against, I think it it really kind of comes into its own. But for those those early sequences of the film, uh, I was just like, God damn it, is this really what this whole movie's going to be like? Oh my God. Which is not to disparage uh, Martin Sheen at all. 
I mean, he's he's one of the great actors of his generation. I just think the script is not strong enough to carry him by himself. Um, but um, used from Amsterdam really uh, brings things together. I, I think he is the heart of this film, really, almost more than um, our, our lead is. Again, it's a perfectly fine film. But, it, you know, it's not an essential film by any stretch of the imagination. It's, it's a love leather. Love leather? I do love leather. It's a love letter. From, also, love leather is a, it's a thing. I think you can find it on the internet. Yeah, love leather is a very specific kind of leather. You want to be careful. You don't want to get too full of a grain. You're just going to hurt yourself. You don't need motorcycle leathers. That's just dangerous. <laughs> oh, no. Be careful. Dalton these are the com- has the finest of the gimp suits. Oh, you just got to have these conversations with your lover, guys. That's all I'm saying. Um... It is a love letter from uh, son to father, and I, I think that's really. I almost said leather again. I know I saw the I saw that look in your eyes, um, and I think that's very sweet. I, I think it's really great that you know Emilio Estevez has been transitioning to directing for quite a while now, and I think it's really cool that he wrote this movie for his dad, like for you know them both being Catholic. He was like, let's wrestle with that together, Dad. Let's do this movie together, and I think that's really sweet. Um, but it doesn't make it a good film. It, it makes it a film that has a lot of heart, but it doesn't make it good. And, and I think at the end of the day, that's the best way to sum this film up. It has heart, but it's okay at best. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. From the ice cave, deep below the planet's surface, Mr. Caleb Masters, what did you think of this film? You know, I really felt like the way, you know, it's, it's a really heartfelt movie about personal journeys and finding that, uh, you know, spiritual fulfillment and and whatever means necessary. It's a really heartfelt film that, you know, touches a great deal on the spiritual connections shared by father and son and how those identities are really intermingled in between the two characters. Uh, I I really appreciate the sentiments uh, and, you know, kind of just the whole personal nature of the film uh, from writer-director Emilio Estevez, uh, you know, exploring, you know, these spiritual connections you know, Estevez himself is an agnostic, and I and I think he makes a, a mostly agnostic film. But it was kind of cool to see him being somewhat what spiritual here. A lot of these connections are a lot deeper than blood. Blood doesn't define uh, our relationships, although it does tie us together. Uh, you know, the, the the film is really has a very slow and and I would argue mostly intentional pacing. Uh, that I really think more or less pays off in the film's conclusion. Uh, it's a little slow, but I do ultimately think the really beautiful landscapes uh, and the performances uh, outweigh the bad of the film. That's about what I assumed he would think about this film. Very well done. Uh, well, Dustin, you were, I, I think you're more in Caleb's camp, that you're a little bit more negative on this film than I am. A little bit, and the reason why is, I guess it's about expectations at this point. Do I love Martin Sheen? Yes. Do I love actors turned directors generally? Yes. Do I love all things Catholic? Also, yes. Do I love... You are the most Catholic Protestant I've ever met. Uh, Probably true. I mean, I think it's uh, accurate. And uh, do I like... uh, uh, Do I have sort of an emotional connection with the Camino del Santiago? I do, because I know things about it. My dear friend, Sarah Kyle, um, recently walked part of it. I have a postcard at my house. Uh, She sent me partway along the way. And uh, and I, th- this is something I want to do one of these days before I kick over. Um, also, there's another film that I... You really better get to it, buddy. Oh, uh, you're, you're knocking on death's door. I know. <laughs> 
Well, you never know. Emilio was not quite forty. I mean, that's you, true. You start saying this, and I'm like, yeah, I, I could, I could have been Daniel. Um, this is a sad time for us all. But that all those things are, are working here, and it's it's you know it's a road movie, it's a travel movie. These are the kind of movies again. Generally, I like uh, the performances are fine. Uh, the filmmaking itself, the script, and uh, the the direction are okay. But it really is a letdown because I I guess I really expected more. Um, Martin Sheen is doing uh, the parts of Josiah Bartlett's character that I like the least, where he's sort of prickly and grumpy most of the time, and uh, not bringing quite that same warmth that I love from President Josiah Bartlett from the West Wing. And so he's not doing that same endearing thing where I want Martin Sheen to be my dad quite as much. Um, Also, there is the fact that this movie is really, really safe. It's really, like, treacherously safe. Yeah, that's something you mentioned off-air that I think is a a really great point. You said it was uh, too safe, uh, not safe enough for Hallmark, but too safe for... Like A24. Yeah. Like Spring Breakers. Yeah. Which is obviously way not safe. But I I think A24, they're not always as uh, subversive as uh, Spring Breakers, but they don't play it safe by any means. Correct. And I, I think that's a really good way to put it. And so it, it, it's, it's, it's weirdly middle of the road. You know, there, there, there's, there's certain places where you can be very, very pedantic and you really, really have like an angle like a Hallmark movie would like this movie's about family and family's great or faith and faith is great. Or this movie is about redemption. Redemption's great. Or, you know, the processing, you should do all your processing. It doesn't quite do that. And it leaves enough ambiguity there uh, to, to sort of remove itself from that Hallmark kind of filmmaking. But at the same time, it's not that ambiguous either. Yeah, it's it's more than being ambiguous or saying these things are great. It mostly just says these things are hard, but that's about all it has to say. Uh, well, I right? guess or these things are more nuanced than we often give them credit for. And I guess at thirty six, I'm like, well, yeah, but duh, and yes, exactly. Next. I'm right there with you, and, and, and at, so, buddy. At twenty six, I'm right there with yeah, you right, to you some know? extent. And that, but again, I find the general life affirmation thing to be fine. You know, I watch a lot of movies where people, you know, get stabbed in the throat. Sure. Uh, which, because I like those movies, uh, regardless of the context. Um, action, horror, don't care. I, I, I like violent things. I find catharsis in that. So when I watch a life-affirming movie, I, I'm generally in its camp for the most part. But I guess this doesn't, I'm okay, it's, 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 it's a struggle. Because on the one hand, I'm, I'm generally okay with its life-affirmment. But on the other hand, I'm like, I'm with you, where I'm like, this just isn't enough. Right. Life is for living. Very good. You know, you don't choose a life, you live a life, which is sort of the repeated line in this. And it, it, there are a lot of I will say there's a moment where they, it seems like they're teeing that up for a repeat and they don't and do they it. Don't. That was the smart restraint choice to make. I, well, okay. I, I, and I agree with that. Yet. Because I was about to roll my fucking eyes big right. time. Yet and however. <laughs> There are much more entertaining ways that you can do this, and there are several other films that do so. This film is Martin Sheen walking. Uh, Yeah. And that is it. Yeah. And so all that poignance is spread out way too thin. There's not enough It's a two-hour movie. It is. Every bit of a a two-hour movie that feels like eight and a half hours. It runs long, The two months it takes to walk the Camino. I'm not quite sure. It's a two-hour movie that's probably got six different montages in it of, of walking. Of lots of, and we're going to talk more about movies about walking when we get to our our recommended pairings. Um, I think there are plenty of movies about walking that don't have this kind of problem. 
Yeah, there are. There are. And and so for me, it, it is a very middling sort of experience. It, it's, it feels way too safe and not nearly brave enough. It doesn't want to full out affirm faith, but it doesn't want to full out reject faith. It doesn't want to full out affirm, uh, you know, finding your purpose that you can do such a thing. Because sometimes people do and sometimes people don't. But it just instead of not picking a lane, it picks no lane. And yeah. therefore, very, very weak uh, in the experience for me. I just I expected more of it, and uh, I, I think Estevez has some real potential, and I'd like to see more from him. But at this point, I'm kind of meh. So there you go, dear listener, with our thoughts on what we think about the film as a reaction, thumbs up, thumbs down, review-wise. Now, I believe it's probably time to play the game. Time to play the game. This week's game are favorite or desired family team-ups. That's right. Favorite or desired family team-ups brought to you by The Way. The Way. It turns out Emilio Estevez and Martin Sheen don't really team up that much in this movie. Not very much. No, Emilio Estevez is very dead in this movie. (laughs) Could have been Swiss Army Man, and that might have been interesting. Fuck, that would have been great. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm thinking about the comparison right now. It's sort of the same, except for it's cremation. Some, it's somewhat apt, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, okay. Well, Mr. Caleb Masters, what are your selections? Okay, now, for family team-ups, there, there's a, you know, actually, there's been a recent one that you guys might be interested in, and that is, uh, there's been something of a Twitter wars between the, the Baldwins, and so, I want to see a movie based on the Baldwin Twitter controversy. So there's actually been a little, a lot of back and forth. Alex and Billy have been having Twitter wars with Daniel Baldwin over uh, American politics. And we don't want to go too much into the weeds of it, but what if we had a political thriller starring Alex, Billy and uh, Alec, Billy, Billy and Billy Baldwin running on a ticket against Daniel Baldwin. Uh, and I don't know. Fine. Insert VP here. I think you can make a really fun political thriller, uh, and you actually take their tweets and recite them as lines within the film. It could be a lot of fun. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll call it the uh, Ides of our April. I don't. I don't know. A lot of fun. Next, I really think we should take a look at the, the Hemsworth brothers. Uh, you know, Chris is is Thor, as we know. He's kind of ripped, but uh, his brother hasn't quite had the same level of success. Uh, Liam over there, he's got the really, really pretty eyes, and, uh, you know, and I, I, he had his little bit part in the Hunger Games as Gale, but I think we could see, you know, like an epic uh, kind of demigod movie. Why not make uh, Why not make Liam Thor's long-lost brother in Thor, Thor 5 or, or whatever you want to call it? I think that could be a lot of fun. And lastly, let's take a look at, at a really fun rivalry. You have uh, Elle and Dakota Fanning, and I think, you know what, make it biopic. Have them competing for the same roles as actresses, uh, you know, and, that, and what drives their, you know, dramatize it a little bit, and have, you know, Elle being the one who's getting all that success while Dakota took a break from college. But all of a sudden, Dakota is back in the action, and she wants that spotlight back. I, I don't know. could be a lot of fun. Uh, it's a great uh, little dynamic there. Thank you for that, Caleb. Mr. Don Stewart, I would love to hear yours at this point. Well, um, I, I want to go ahead. We're, we're going to talk about this a little bit later on, but I think one of my favorite sibling team-ups that uh, reoccurs throughout film history is uh, John and Joan Cusack. Um, oh, yeah. I think they're great together. Uh, but the film that I specifically want to highlight right now is the two of them in uh, Gross Point Blank. 
uh, which is streaming right now on Netflix. It comes and goes on there from time to time. It's a movie that I love a lot. I, I think it's a really fun uh, dark comedy um, with uh, Dan Aykroyd as the bad guy, which is just kind of a weird thing. It's an uh, awesome thing. Yeah, it's it's kind of great. And it has the fantastic line, uh, what, what am I supposed to talk about at my reunion? Hi, how you, how you been? I stabbed the president of Paraguay with a fork. That's, that's a great line. Um, but uh, it is a, a film that has both of them at their sardonic best, and I think that's part of why they work so well on screen together is they kind of have a similar like uh, humor um, w- when they are playing a character with a little levity. It's still a very kind of like biting levity. Um, and that's, I think that's what makes them work so well together when they're, they're paired together on screen. Um, I, I haven't seen it in a couple of years, but I've been wanting to revisit it, but that's the one I want to go ahead and choose to highlight. Um, I feel like we've talked about this before, Dustin. What you you like that movie, right? Oh, I love Gross Point Blank. Yeah, it's, it's a great movie. It's I haven't seen it in quite a while, but uh, I have I have fond feelings for it, as I recall. So I, I can't wait to revisit it. Uh, the next one that I want to mention is I, I think one of the great sibling pair ups in television here, history, uh, and that is um, William Baldwin playing Jack Donaghy's, uh, who is played by Alec Baldwin um, on Thirty Rock. There's an extended um, uh, plot. Uh, device plot point rather I should say uh, on the, I want to say the fifth or sixth season of 30 Rock where um, Alec Baldwin's character is going to be in a television movie about his wife being kidnapped by the North Koreans and his character in the TV movie is going to be played by this actor who just happens to be William Baldwin so it, it's a really fun they, they have a lot of fun with that that joke um, throughout that 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 sequence uh, which I think is really great um it's one of my favorites, bar none, hands down. Um, I just think it's so funny, and I, I, I love the Baldwin brothers. What can I say? Um, everyone but Alec has been in one good movie, um, but, which is kind of a bummer, But because Alec's been in so many good movies, and the rest of the Baldwin brothers have one really good movie they were in. Um, in no particular order, The Usual Suspects, um, uh, John Carpenter's Vampires, which isn't actually that good. I just like it, and I've already run out. So there you go. I can't even think of a good one that William was in. Sorry, Will. Um, who's the most handsome Baldwin brother now? Which is kind of surprising, right? Who saw that coming? Don't look at me like that. Alex's not the most handsome anymore. I wish he was, but he's not. It's definitely not Stephen. It's Billy, right? Yeah, Billy. I, I call him William. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't. I don't uh, bastardize his name. Well, I call him Billy. You call him Billy? I don't. He I have, likes for me to call him Billy. I have too much respect for him to call him Billy. I take that back, though. He was, uh, Billy's, Billy was in Flatliners and Backdraft, uh, which that's, that's, that's pretty good. Oh, he's in Squid the Whale, and uh, I didn't know that. So that I feel like that's a pretty good, like, that's a good run. That's, that's the closest to Alec anybody's ever come. I tell you what, it's definitely not Steven or Danny. Mm-hmm. Um, poor guys. Um, Anyway, those are my thoughts, Dustin. What are some of your selections? I just had those two. Okay, so this the first selection I have has to happen very, very quickly. Okay. okay. Because I need Michael and Kirk Douglas together in I Was Spartacus. Okay, I'm into it. Yeah. I, I don't I, I, I don't feel like uh I don't feel like Kirk has got it in him. No, anymore. I know, but I mean I don't think no, he can do I, it. I, I don't know, he really couldn't. It really needed to happen about ten years yeah, ago. Yeah, he's a great guy. I feel like he's probably still great to hang out with. Like when he presented at the Oscars a couple of years ago, yeah. like you could tell he struggled, but he's still he's there, man. He's yeah. whip sharp. He just you know, he's 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 slowing down. He's in his nineties. Oh, he's ninety nine. Yeah. He's ninety nine. He's ninety nine as of now. Fuck me. Yeah, he's, he still he's looks good. All entry. things considered, like he's still again, he's still quick. I mean, right. he's funny. Um, 
again that Oscar. Um, I can't even remember what award he was award he was presenting, but he was he was on the ball, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just he can't he can't honestly he can't talk quick enough to be an actor, I, which is a, a bummer. Yeah, it really is. Uh, and I mean, the magic of editing and all that kind of stuff might could make up for some of that. Cinema does lie at twenty four frames a second, and so and I'm okay with it lying to me in that way. Fair uh, enough. Without like capturing but i want to see those guys together i know? can't believe they've never done a movie together I mean, they, they may have they actually teamed for a uh, episode of tales from the crypt the are SBO you series. serious yes uh i can't remember if they played father and son or or ghost from the past or what but there is an episode of tales from the crypt where they team up i have to go find that thank arthur you're the best producer thank you very much for that arthur gordon i still want i was spartacus that would be really great and uh I, again it just would be fantastic in great many ways yeah but it needs to happen yesterday yeah, yeah, this movie really, needed to be in production five years ago really really did um the other thing i want to see happen is i want to see like a family dynasty together mm-hmm. in film and mm-hmm. i don't know who's behind the camera who's in front of the camera like i don't even really care that much but i need francis i need sophia i need roman and i need nick cage all together in a single project and i don't know what that well, project you just left like. jason schwartzman out there to, to fucking twist in the breeze yeah i kind of did didn't i yeah, read Jason. He, he I want Jason Schwartzman and Nick Cage in a movie together, directed by <laughs> Sophia. Written no, written by Sophia. Directed I, I by really, Roman? I really no. I I don't really care about Roman. What about Frank? Frank's kind of. I mean, Sophia's the only one of them. I, I guess Roman did do something that was supposed. I can't remember the name of the movie. He did something recently that was supposed to be okay. Well, he wrote um, the Wes Anderson movie. He wrote. Um... No, he directed something fairly recently, and I can't remember the title of it. But uh, I, I like we, I like where your head's at, though. Yeah, I, 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 just I, don't leave, don't leave Jason out okay, there. Fair enough, but I, I, I do want like the Coppola family, you know, you know, powerhouse film to be made, and I don't know what that would look like exactly. I'm into it. I, I you know, d- d- can it be gangsters? Fine. Could it be like this quirky indie drama? Uh, I think that's really the best. If it's a quirky indie drama, Nick will uh, restrain himself. Will he? I think so. He might. I mean, he's got. I, you got to play out with the family. Like everyone's get the prestige, but him. They got to be careful. Yeah, I think Sophia could direct him though. She nope. directed Bill Murray. Bill Murray is kind of prickly. He is uh, a little prickly. Yeah, and kind of does what he wants. Okay. Nick Cage always does what he wants unless somebody tells him not to. Yeah. That's so fair. I think that's what they need. Yeah. So. Uh- you know, there there are things that could happen. So these are my desires from Hollywood. Uh, get on it yesterday. Okay, I just thought of one that I hadn't okay, thought about. Let's hear it. Real James Con and Scott Con. Okay. In the Wrath of Cons. That's a terrible title. I, I like both it's of a them. Very I, like, terrible I think title. Scott Con does. I think that's his son's name. I, I, I feel like it is. He's on Hawaii Five O. Scott, thank you, Arthur. I feel like he's a good actor. Does he get enough work? He doesn't have half the career his dad did. Um, and his dad was a, a hell of an actor, and I'd like to see them do something together. That would be nice. I actually lied earlier. It's uh, Kurt Douglas and uh, his other son, Eric Douglas, in Tales from the Crypt together. Uh, what? But Kirk and Michael did do a movie together with Michael's son, so it's all it's three generations oh, of Douglas Oh, that's men. nice. Um, hang on, I just I had did, it pulled up. I didn't even know... Um, I mean, I knew Michael it, had children. I didn't know they acted. It's a 2003 film called It Runs in the Family. Of course it is. Well, we've never heard of it, so I don't imagine good things. Uh, yeah, I, I tend to, uh, yeah, imagine and pray against the worst. But did uh, did Peter and Henry get to do anything together? The the Fondas? Mm-hmm. I don't know of that offhand. I don't either. Yeah. Did uh, Jane and Peter get to do anything together? That'd be nice. I think Jane and Peter have. They're both something. still acting. I feel like they have. Peter's still doing stuff. Yeah. And Jane's definitely, so she's got that uh, Netflix show. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, but I, I feel like Peter Peter's still doing stuff. He's He's still on his toes. Yeah, I'd he, like to see that. Yeah, I, I, 
He God, he looks a lot like his dad now. He does. Holy crap. He really does. Also, Emilio looks so much like Martin. Man, now. that scene where they're talking back and forth, they sound like the exact same person. They really, really It's do. wild. Hey, we want to have this conversation not just between each other, though. We want to have it via those magical means that we all know as social media. Dalton, tell me things about social media. All the things. You oh, get to do not just one God thing. God damn it. All right, I'll you do can, my best. You have to do well, all here's, the things. Here's then. the thing, Dustin. I only care about the one, so this is going to be really hard for me. Arthur well, is going to have to save me a couple times, but here we go. Just uh, like in dating, manufacture some enthusiasm. <laughs> Okay, here we go. You can find uh, not just the Good Trash Genre Cast, but the whole Good Trash Media Network on all these social media platforms. We social media as one unit because we're trying not to split up you guys into factions as best we can. Although if we did split you up into factions, obviously, uh, my fans from People's History would be the best. Um, but you can find the whole Good Trash Media Network on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash Good Trash Media, all one word. You can find us on Twitter at Good underscore Trash. If you are feeling so inclined to contribute to us, you do not have to. I cannot stress this enough. It is okay if you don't give us money. But if you want to, you can go to patreon.com forward slash GTM. We have all the information on how you can be a patron just like Caleb's brother Nathaniel, um, who chose the way. You can do this too. You can make us talk about a movie. It's not just Nathaniel's power. He didn't like call in a favor and be like, hey, bro, you like talk about the way for me that's not how oh, yeah, brother yeah. brotherhood would not get this to happen there's gotta be no money. fuck no my sister's yeah. asked us to do movies i'm like we're not gonna do that yeah you must pay. <laughs> yeah you have to pay us no yeah you have to give us money um but you can do that again you can go to patreon.com forward slash gtm um, we have all the info there about what the rewards are what you get what we want to accomplish if you give us your money um it's a great thing uh but you don't have to do it um we we got enough money in the coffers right now it's fine but uh your help would only make this bigger and better. Um, if you want more out of us, that's that's how you make it happen. Hey, and there's also a great way you can help us that is free ninety nine, y'all, which is my favorite price of all of the things. That it is free ninety nine. Uh, you go to iTunes, you rate, review, subscribe to all the shows, even the ones you don't listen to. I get it. There's a lot of not all of these shows on this network are for everybody, but if you want to subscribe to all of them, that would be a really big help. Absolutely, and those reviews and ratings are oh so Big helpful time. on iTunes. They're also helpful on Stitcher and the other sort of uh, different uh, podcatcher uh, platforms that you might happen to use uh, to listen to the show. So any of that sort of feedback always helps us get our message out there to as many people as possible. So keep that in mind. I think, though, at this point, Dalton and Caleb, from a distance, it's time to get down to business. That's right, dear listener, and that business is, as always, analysis. I am so stoked to hear what my co-hosts have to say. I'm going to go to you first, Dalton. What say you in terms of analysis of The Way? Okay. Um, I'm going to do my best. So we talk on this show a lot about fathers and sons and you know child-parent dynamics um, because I think that's a, that is a, a type of relationship that art really succeeds at engaging with. Um, I have talked about my father to some extent on this show, but I don't really know how, how much we've gotten into it. Um, so let's. I, I wanted to do that today um, because as black as this movie is, it did make me think about my dad a lot. Um, 
Now, those of you who have like studiously taken notes over the years have noticed that I've referred to having a dead father and have referred to having uh, an alive father. Um, so the guy that actually Golden has two daddies. I have two daddies, um, but but not like not like that. All not, of that not like the kids. I like. would be much more interesting if I had two daddies like Correct. that. I'm, I'm not that interesting. It wouldn't take much to make you more interesting, really. No, I'm pretty uninteresting. Um, pretty so my mom and my biological father got divorced when I was a kid, like three or four. Uh, my mom got remarried. That dude adopted me after the guy who gave me genetic material died. Um, my father was a drug addict, and um, he OD'd when I was 11. And um, it's pretty much the formative trauma of my life. Um, however, my relationship with my father was also one of the most formative experiences of my life in that he introduced me to film. Um when you only have a weekend with a parent, it's hard for that parent to figure out what they're supposed to do with you. Um, and the best way to deal with someone you don't know what to do with is to take them to the movies. That's why I take all my dates to the movies, because I'm really bad at talking to people um, when I want to sleep with them. I'm actually pretty good at talking to people. It's just I don't know what to say when I want to put my mouth on their mouth. Um, <laughs> my dad didn't want to put his mouth on my mouth, let's be clear. He just didn't know what... <laughs> <laughs> that clarification was important. Thank yeah, you. I realized that I talked myself into into a problem there. <laughs> um, but I and again, I, I think what this film does a really good job of reckoning with is dealing with, uh, you know, the for better and worse, the most formative bonds of our life are the bonds we have with our parents and uh, our children. I don't have any children um, currently that I know of, um, but uh, as I understand it, it's a pretty big deal. And, but I do have parents. I've got three of them, in fact. Um, and unfortunately, one of them is no longer with us, as I've said. Um, and for better and for worse, those are those are our models for all of our relationships going forward in life. Um, my, my dad was a complicated man. And I, I think that's one thing that this film speaks to very well, is that sometimes your relationships with your children and with your parents are complicated. They're not always sunny and rosy. Um, Tom Avery loves Daniel very much, but he doesn't know how to relate to the kid. He doesn't know what to do with him. He he is a, a grown man who is experiencing some serious, like, bougie arrested development. And then he dies for his own hubris. And Tom struggles with that throughout the film. And that is something that I can relate to in a big way because it's something that I have struggled with for my entire life. Uh, my My dad is was the kind of guy that nobody has a bad word to say about, um, even in death. Um, you know, even, I mean, my dad's been dead for more of my life than he was alive for at this point. He's been dead for 15 years. And um, coming in January, he'll have been dead for 15 years. And even my mom's dad doesn't have a bad word to say about the guy. The, the one person who will probably have a bad thing to say about their kid's ex, their parent, especially their father... Didn't have a bad word to say about him. He says he was he's the kind of guy that walked into a room and everybody was happy that he was there. Uh, my my dad was the life of the party. He'd give you the shirt off his back, but he'd also steal your TV and pawn it for Oxy. <laughs> um, and that's that's what's complicated about him, you know? That's what's complicated about our parents. They're not always good people because they're people and they fuck up and they make big mistakes. Uh, and sometimes they die um, way too early because they can't get their shit together. Um and and it sucks, man. Um, 
I would prefer it if my father was still alive, probably. Um, I think my, my life is better off with him not in it, honestly. And then again, there we go with the complication. Um, would I prefer my dad to still be around? Yeah. Would my childhood have been a lot more fucked up if I had this drug addict bothering me when I was, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, trying to go to college, trying to figure out my own life? I've got this dude bothering me who was uh, only getting worse, believe me. He wasn't getting better. Um, and it's something that I struggle with all the time. And I think, again, that's what the way speaks to uh, in not a you know particularly interesting or nuanced way. But at its best moments, that's what it speaks to is how you're going to wrestle with these relationships with your loved ones when they die. So you got something to say, fucking say it, because you're not going to always have a chance to. Um, but it also speaks to the impact people have when they're gone. Um, Daniel changes his dad's life posthumously. I mean, he really does. And I think that there's something beautiful to that. And, you know, my, my dad changed my life after he died. Um, for better and worse, but uh, my, my dad was hardly a cinephile. I want to keep that, make that clear. Sure, my, it's not like my dad was like super into Godard. Like <laughs> my my dad dug Bruce Lee movies a lot. That's what we watched. We watched kung fu films. Uh, we we watched action. He liked Steven Seagal a lot. Um, we watched bad movies, but we watched movies. And that relationship, that that nugget of our relationship, uh, is why I'm sitting here talking on this microphone today. I, I, without that that aspect of our relationship and without me trying to find meaning in his death, uh, I don't know that I would still be here. I don't know that I would have the relationship with film that I do have if, if he hadn't died because when he died, what I had were the movies we watched together. And that has been the single most important aspect of my life, I think, in determining who I've become. And I like to think I'm okay. Uh, I'm kind of a shithead, uh, to be perfectly honest. Um, but all things considered, I could be a whole hell of a lot worse. And um, it is his death that ended up making me take a film criticism course that ended up introducing me to these fuckers. Um, so you don't know what's going to happen. Um, everyone you know is going to die. Fact. They might outlive you, you might outlive them, but every single person you love is going to die. So make sure you they know that you love them and try to make the most of it. And just because they're dead doesn't mean you can't honor them in some way. And I think that is what this film, The Way, speaks to, is the way we engage with our loved ones after they're gone. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you very much for that, uh, Mr. Dalton Stewart. I also am a person who has lost a parent, and so I do I do feel what you're saying. And there is um, only so much time we have, and so uh, make the best use of it. I think that temporality and capriciousness of death are both uh, very, very key themes in the film. So thank you very much for that. Live from Mars, Mr. Caleb Masters. What analysis do you bring? You know, I think that the film, the way, you know, I, I really initially was thinking this is a, this film had a pretty surface reading. It's pretty straightforward. It's about pilgrimage and taking that spiritual journey uh, to discover new connections with people along the way and find that spiritual fulfillment and use that spiritual fulfillment as a means to overcome the grief of loss. And I think that's a really great theme here. I think it works really, really well. Um, 
but I do think that there. I, I want to push it just just one step further. I don't really have a whole lot m- more to add, but I do find it really interesting that this is a multicultural cast. Um, you have the the high, overweight hiker from Amsterdam, uh, the the Canadian on the run, and then you have an Irish writer. All of these people from across the world are encountering journeys together. You know, in a time where there's certainly a lot of division in the world, it was it's really nice to see a film. That yes, these might all be people, uh, Caucasian people, but they're all from different countries and they have different cultures. And through this pilgrimage, they're able to bond together and create a special connection that is a lot deeper than just the surface level. Uh, Honestly, a lot deeper than blood. It it is only through these connections with these people uh, that Martin Sheen is over able to overcome the grief of his son. And you know, I think again, it is a pretty straightforward. Ford film. I don't really have a whole lot to add to the to the text of the film, um, unless you really want to you know dive down the rabbit hole of pilgrimage, which I think is uh, something uh, you know worth touching on. Um, but yeah, that'll be about all the analysis I have to bring. Um, work together, guys. Only if we work together can we find the spiritual fulfillment we need to take on the evil we face ahead. Thank you for that, Caleb. Uh, also, um, if you're listening to this version of the show, Caleb Masters. Call your parents. Tell them you love them. Right. Um, so here I hey, go. Hey, Dustin. Now. Yeah. Call your dad. I know you don't want to talk to him. Hmm? I know you don't want to talk to him. Call your dad. All right. Tell him you love him. What do you want to talk about? I want to talk <laughs> about other things. That's what I want to do. Yeah, I, I know. Um, I, and I'm going to talk about. Uh, I'm going to talk about why I don't like this movie uh, in terms of its spirituality, because what it offers is a very bourgeoisie understanding of spirituality, and they, and the thing is, is that it absolutely embraces it without moving forward from it. Um, now, I am all for saying you don't have to be poor to know the spiritual. You don't have to be poor to be fully formed as a human being. But it absolutely sort of engages and embraces that sort of ideology nonetheless. What I'm talking about is though we um, see Martin Sheen go all crazy and drunk against Jack uh, for his use of his credit card and his privilege and his power and how he's not the real authentic pilgrim and all those sorts of things. Um, that's going on. But they also seem to co-opt the experience of a minority people group known as the Romani people or the Gypsies. Uh, there's a there's an effort made to rehabilitate them to prove that they're not all thieves and you know uh, and whatnot. And that's good. I'm all for that. But yet that moment of experience is that connection to the real authentic, the real folksy, the the connection to the ground, the fact that they're in Spain, that you've got to go all the way to Spain and then do this walk and walk along this way and connect to the earth and the ground, which uh, Theodore Adorno talks about quite a bit, also does Martin Heidegger. This idea that this romantic connection with the environment, with nature, uh, if you are to experience those things uh, and, and really sort of go away from them, which is a 20th century sort of moment in which uh, we started having retreats where we go off in the woods or the mountains or whatever and by beholding sunrises and sunsets we suddenly become better persons yeah it's really uh it's really nice to be able to have that luxury of just uh up and abandoning your life for three months right which is who can't do that anybody sitting at this table correct Correct, which is why, though I desperately want to walk the way, I might not ever get the chance to do so. And uh, that that's really the idea that we're talking about here. It, it, it definitely takes a certain amount of financial solvency to be able to do that. And it is a position of privilege, and what it does is it talks about, again, the sort of alienation that uh, the worker classes would experience, that they're not able to do it. There's a moment early in the film where uh, a woman who uh, works at uh, the uh, first stop, uh, she's the... Uh, 
concierge at the little refugio, mm-hmm. which is uh, basically it's like a dormitory with a uh, camp beds, like from church camp, <laughs> from memory, right? And she talks about how when she was too young, she didn't have enough money. Yeah, when she was young, she was too busy. And now that she's old, she's too tired. And you don't have time to do that sort of thing. And the movie seems to suggest that these people become better people because they're able to do this, and they're able to do this because they're privileged. And it, what it does is it walls off the experience. It walls off the connection to the divine, the spiritual, the other, the whatever, in such a way that it's only available to them. And it furthermore uh, romanticizes nature in a way that is absolutely inaccurate. Sure, the, the waves crashing against the shore, when they get the Mushia, uh, that that little extra leg of the journey after the Compostello. When they get there, it is gorgeous. It is compelling. One does feel one smallness in those moments of nature. I'm a hiker. I mean, there's a reason why I do those kind of things. But let let me tell you right now, nature is speaking, but you don't know its language. And nature doesn't love you. Nature wants you to die. You're not designed to live on this planet. You're not designed to live anywhere. Uh, Yeah, guns kind of suck, but there's a reason we created them. Um, It's because nature, both uh, the nature we've created and the nature that already exists, is trying to kill us all the time. One of our first inventions was the bow and arrow, because nature really hates us. Yes. Um, It wants us to starve to death, and when it doesn't want to starve us to starve to death, it wants to kill us. And, and what it does then is, again, sort of elevates this experience of some sort of pristine nature, if one were to do that, and be in a moment of experience of that pristineness, that one would, again, connect to the divine, the spiritual, or oneself, whatever, you know, whatever your sort of ideological, theological, philosophical headspace may happen to fill. But that's bogus, guys. It really is about connecting to other people. Now, the way does some of this in the formation of this little group of people together. But the only way that we really find connection is with other human beings. Absolutely. And by engaging other human beings as humans themselves. Uh, The moment that suggests this, again, that encounter with the gypsies, is still an absolute exoticism. They're still an other, they're still a different, and they're romanticizing that they are more connected or more communal or whatever. But the idea is, we can experience that. You don't have to move to the country, you don't have to be Thoreau at Walden Pond to have a deep connection to other human beings and to yeah. a meaningful sort hey, of life. Hey, you got a you got a friend that's going through a rough time? Go have dinner with him. Yeah, you really should do that. Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing. And also, that sort of connection, like the connection with nature, when you realize nature wants to kill you, is oftentimes, as John Epstein, the great filmmaker and theorist says, is a diabolical moment. It is a moment of your undoing. And that's also pleasant. When you realize nature is against you, you realize that by exchanging life with other human beings, you're going to be confronted with things you don't want to hear or say, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Uh, when those things happen, that is part of the benefit of that. That is part of why it is there, and it does help us become, as human beings, more and more human. And this movie, again, it, it, it separates, it compartmentalizes, and it romanticizes in a way that, frankly, is is dangerous. Also, psilocybin caps are way cheaper than an international flight. <laughs> uh, I, I have no comment on that whatsoever. However, don't do drugs unless you want to. <laughs> my goodness, uh, my my my. Be point, safe. My point is this: 
is we don't need to make this a remove for the super rich. We don't need to make this exactly. a remove well, and that where was, we romanticize I, again. I, I know I was kind of tongue-in-cheek about it. I was kind of tongue-in-cheek about it, but that's kind of my point. Yeah, uh, There are lots of engaged, whether through mind-altering chemicals or not, there are lots of ways to engage with the spiritual that don't involve... This, and we talked about this way, 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 way back when we talked about Into the Wild, the the film about Christopher McCandless. You don't have to fucking forsake everyone in your life to experience the beauty of nature and to experience some real self-searching. You go to therapy for fuck's sake. If you're not permitted to do that, set aside some time to meditate. That's free. Like, you don't have to forsake everyone. Like, there, there, it's not some big, like struggle i'm sorry it's a lot easier than that and I, that is i'm right there with you man and again we talked about the. i think i talked about more of the side of things when we talked about into the wild it doesn't have to be this fucking transcendental you know throwing in as you as you mentioned struggle right right absolutely and again engage where you are with those with whom you are planted that is how we find meaning and significance that is what we do is by being fully alive to the moment uh the moment in which we live right now which is the only moment that exists and and that might involve skyscrapers and it might involve farms it might involve fields and occasionally mountains that's fine but be in the moment as the moment happens the mo and and, and don't and what the film does is it seems to set up the retreat, that the only place that we'll, we'll find us is when we get there someday. The fact of the matter is many of us are like that hotel concierge. We won't go there, but you're here right now. You're in your car. You're driving down the road. The steering wheel is in your hands as you're listening to this podcast, and there is something for you to encounter right now if you only open your eyes to it, and I think that's more worthwhile. No man is an island. Correct. Um, I will say this, though. The film does counter that a little bit in that the real experience for Martin Sheen does seem to be opening opening up to these three strangers. And that is the one counter argument I think the film presents within the own the text of the film is the actual like life altering experience does seem to be opening up to these people. And I go, that's my last problem, though. I'm glad you mentioned that, because Yost is going to go back to Amsterdam. Jack is going to go back to Ireland. Mm -hmm. Sarah's going to go back to Canada. And he's going to go back to California. Yeah. They're not going to be around each other again. And I feel like... It's a false community. Yost, and that's a good point. Temporary community. It's a temporary community. And again, they might have really impacted each other's lives. But you're right. It's not... They pen pals, but they're not going to have like any real meaningful connection. However, I will again say that sometimes people in your lives are ships in the night and they're not always sure. going to be the, you know, the, the, um, the fucking hallmark relationship of your life, but they can have an indelible impact on where you go from there. Um, I feel like Yost is the unsung tragedy of this film. Yeah. Cause Yost, uh, finally at the end of the film reveals he went on this hike cause his wife stopped sleeping with him. Yeah. And that's really sad. It is. Um, and he's struggling with that and he doesn't get any kind of closure on that. He, other than like being okay with who he is, I think, um, but like Jack and Sarah and, and Tom, like all have this really kind of profound moment. Uh, and Yost doesn't get that. And I, I think that's a really sad moment in the film that uh, I think the film doesn't spend enough time on. And, and yeah, and, and, and to be absolutely clear, I, I'm not downplaying the, the importance of those sort of moments of meeting. Yep. Some communing with strangers, communing yeah. with nature. That's I'm, all good stuff. I'm a surrealist. I'm all about the chance encounter. You know, that's a thing that happens and it's a thing that's awesome, you know, when it occurs. But that is, again, the chance encounter and that's not every day. And if our life is not of the every day, then we're not living every day. And if we're only living part of the days, are we really living? And that is a question I wish this film was asked. Asking.
Here's a question I'm asking. What's the difference between an optometrist and an ophthalmologist? Ophthalmologists are have MDs. Really? Yeah. Optometrists don't have MDs? Not that I understand. My eye doctor doesn't have an MD? Correct. He's a doctor of well, opto- she. optometrist. She, oh, she, du- does. she, Dustin. Women can be doctors, too. I was thinking about Martin Sheen, man. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Uh, now I know. But, yeah, um, ophthalmologists, yeah, they prescribe medicines okay. and what have you and whatnot. They do the surgeries. Ooh, gross. Yeah. I don't want to. Alex, don't listen to this part. Oh, yeah. Salvador Dali. Moving on. Um, so there you go, dear listener. You've heard our analysis. We're excited to hear what you have to say. Thanks again, Nathaniel Masters, uh, for your recommendation of this film and your patronage to this media center, this media network, this thing we call GTM. We're so glad uh, for you, sir, and uh, we hope you enjoy the show. We hope everyone else did as well. As we move to the end, though, we must make a conclusion now. Shelf or trash, else or instead. Caleb Masters, go. Uh, okay, so shelf for trash that's a, that's a great question um you know nathaniel i just want to say thank you once again for being a patron it's been really uh nice of you to give us your money um and we're, i'm really glad to be talking about this film with everyone else around the table um shoot it's a streamer uh, i guess i i, I honestly I'd probably throw it in the trash I, I don't really know if this is a film i'm gonna revisit anytime soon but you know it is on netflix it's free and i think that makes it very streamable uh so i mean I certainly wouldn't pay any money for this film uh, and it, by any means. But if you are, have a chill afternoon on Netflix and you want to watch a movie, I think you can't beat the price of free 99 uh, Otherwise, if it's not streaming, I'll, i got to go ahead and say trash it. Instead, go look at some other Emilio Estevez classics. And of course, the first one that comes to all of our minds is Quack, Quack, Quack. The Mighty Ducks, and of course, I've got to pick the second one for for purely entertainment purposes. The second one where they go to the World Olympics and fight off against Germany. Uh, lots and lots of fun, and you can, and you just can't beat uh, the inspirational talks from Coach Bombay. Although I will give a shout out to D three, the Mighty Ducks. That one's a uh, kind of a fun one as well. Um, another lesser known film of Emilio Estevez. I'm recommend Free Jack. I'm also going to recommend a couple, a pair of father and son films, The Field of Dreams, of course, and lastly. The Last Crusade. Uh, that'll be all my, all my picks out there for you, Dustin. Excellent. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Caleb Masters. Mr. Donald Stewart, go! Uh, well, while I do want to thank Nathaniel Masters and his patronage to our fine establishment, sorry, buddy, this is trash. It's it's just not good. It's fine. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk that back. It's okay. It's not important by any stretch of the imagination. It's not essential by any stretch of the imagination. It is a love letter. Leather. I can't. F- I'm slurring like a mug today. It is a love letter from Emilio Estefes to his father Martin Sheen that made me wonder what their relationship with Charlie is like. Um, mm. But it's not an important movie by any stretch of the imagination. I, I think there are are better movies um, about walking. I'm going to recommend Wild, uh, the film from the gentleman whose name I cannot remember that directed Dallas Buyers Club, uh, based on the book by Shel Strain, who Strain, who actually walked that i want to say it's the pacific coast trail um correct starring um reese witherspoon which is a great film about walking which i think does all the things that this movie wants to do way better uh honestly like seriously just go watch wild uh, from last year um it's it's a great film i i really think it was under it's unsung in its time i, I really do believe that um i had other recommendations but I, I think that's the one man i think that's the one that's really the go-to oh i take that back I did have uh, another recommendation. Um, if you want a better better song about fathers and sons, I would recommend the film Road to Perdition, uh, which I, I think is a great film uh, starring Paul, uh, Tom Hanks and Paul Newman. Um, 
I, I really love that movie. Uh, Sam Mendes directed it. Um, it's really great. Uh, it's really, really good, and it is all about father and son relationships and how complicated and messy they can be. Um, and I think it's much more worth your time uh, than this film. Ditto for Wild. Excellent. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. I also am going to say trash, unfortunately. I do feel like this film is entirely disposable and unambitious, and it lacks courage. We're not saying it's bad. I want to be clear. Yeah. I mean, we've watched worse movies this By year. By far. But, yeah, it's not a movie I'm going to buy. Absolutely not going to do that. So, what else did you watch? Uh, let's talk about movies where you find the one thing, where you find the meaning thing, um, and are more entertained in the process. I'm looking at you, City Slickers, and City Slickers 2. Colon, Curly's Gold. Curly's Gold. It's all about the one thing, man, and whatever that is. And I think that is a much more, you know, it, it definitely simplified, definitely more nuggety, and those kind of things, and much more crowd-pleasing, but it's far more entertaining in the process. So I think that is uh, something to be held on to. In terms of a movie about walking the Camino, you ought to check out Louis Boonwell's The Milky Way from the 60s, in which uh, we have a couple pilgrims walking the Camino de Santiago, and as they do so, they encounter people who are guilty of all of the heresies of Christian history over time, and they can, are confronted by it. It's a super, super weird theological, surrealistic text, and it pleases me in crazy ways, and I I could not. I mean, it's it's so fun and silly, and it's just it's very very good. So check that one out, dear listener. You've got a much longer syllabus after having listened to this show. We're gonna move on and we're gonna conclude the show. And I want to talk to you. Actually, I don't want to talk to you at all. I want Dalton to talk to you because Dalton has a host pick for next week. I do. Um, I know what you're thinking. Oh, Dalton's doing a host pick. It's probably a kung fu movie again. Not so, good listener. I have decided to uh, mess mess things up a little bit. Uh, last episode when we did Drive, I talked about films that we should do on the road to 300. Well, we're going to do one of those films, um, a film that I've wanted to talk about for quite a while. We are going to do Stephen Frears' High Fidelity, starring John Cusack and um, also featuring his sister Joan Cusack and uh, featuring an, an amazing cast that includes... Uh, not only uh, somebody who just came up this evening, Michael Douglas, his wife, Catherine Zeta-Jones, but also the indomitable Jack Black, um, and also um, Tim Robbins, who I share a birthday with. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A great cast. Uh, a really a really remarkable film that uh, is about love and about music and about um, do, kind of doing a post-mortem on your life and figuring out uh, what your life means and sometimes realizing you're not the hero of your own story. Sometimes you're your own villain. And I think uh, it's a beautiful film. I think it's a it's a hilarious film. The last time I watched it was with um, my my special lady love, uh, Doctor Rebecca Panic, um, whose book is not available now. She hasn't written a book. I just wanted to make it sound fancy. Um, the last time I watched it was with uh, Sweet Lady Bex when we first started dating, and uh, I'm really excited to revisit it. Um, it's a beautiful film, and uh, I cannot more highly recommend it. Excellent. That's just for the people that have already seen it. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a good time because it's about the conversation. Guys, this movie that we just did this week, The Way, is exactly what we're talking about in the show. This is never going to be in a film study syllabus. It is so middle of the road, but it makes such a great conversation starter. That's why we do this because it's not about the 90 minutes or 120 minutes or 790 minutes, it might seem, that you might endure a film. It's about the conversation that follows afterward. That's why we do that. So you just keep watching. We'll keep talking, and we'll see you all next time. Bye! 
The Good Trash Genre Cast is produced and edited by Arthur Gordon. Direction by Dustin Sells. Social media by Alexandra Bohannon, Caleb Masters, and Dalton Stewart. Our intro and outro is Night Call by Kavinsky and Lovebox. We are also proud to feature music from Deer Tick this week on the program. For more information on this episode of the Good Trash Genre Cast, as well as the rest of the Good Trash Media family, please visit goodtrashmedia.com.